All right, good afternoon. Uh, we're going to get started. Uh, thank you for sacrificing your Thursday at 4 slot. Uh, we'll try to keep it uh, engaging. Uh, with me is my colleague Itai Maoz, who's uh, uh, one of our engineering managers. And my name is Neil Moshkovsky, and I'm one of the product managers for ElastiCash. Uh, so what we'll go to today is a little bit of a background about uh, ElastiCash. Uh, we'll talk about um, trends we see in the industry that lead to the need of, for a product like that. And then we'll spend most of the time uh, briefing you on what we've done in 2019. So how many people in the room use ElastiCash? Okay. Redis? Cool. So we'll try to go through uh, the background very quickly. Uh, because obviously you, you know more than I do about ElastiCash. Hope not. Cool, so um, we literally live in a, an always connected world. Uh, we have billions of devices connecting to the web all the time and to the cloud. And most of, the, uh, most of all, we are now in this uh, uh, viral world, right? So you can have these things that uh, spike very quickly. Uh, to be able to build applications like that and handle the needs of our customers, uh, we need to be able to uh, trust something to give us very, very low latency and very, very high throughput. So uh, this is a blog by our uh, CTO, uh, specifically talking about our philosophy of uh, custom, uh, of purpose-built databases. Uh, so instead of doing one-size-fits-all or a Swiss army knife of databases, uh, our approach is to have purpose-built and make sure that we meet what the customers need, even if we have overlap between uh, databases. When we look at uh, uh, how we categorize databases, we look at where the data is being stored, how it's being stored, and what API do you use to access that data. Uh, today we'll focus on where we stand as a service, uh, key value store, which is a format that's very easy for you to be able to communicate data to uh, customers, it's not about uh, optimization and, uh, like it is with relational. And then in memory, uh, which is where the data is stored. So this is where sort of ElastiCache is, is located. So when we look at scenarios where uh, this product it use, is used, there's really two categories. One is acceleration. So uh, a lot of you are using ElastiCache or Redis to accelerate other systems to make your database uh, run faster as far as uh, users are concerned. And uh, also, in a, a very exciting, distributed uh, state. So if you look at the other use cases, they're essentially uh, keeping state for a new type of uh, uh, microservice-based architectures, uh, which we see all the time uh, coming up. So today, we support two uh, in-memory engines. Uh, we support Memcached. Uh, Memcached has been around for a long time. It's a very stable open source product. Uh, in terms of functionality, it's focused on uh, as a key value store. Uh, there's less functions compared to Redis or less, uh, uh, less capabilities. And in terms of maturity around things like disaster recovery and scalability, uh, it's less uh, robust, meaning that if you have data that uh, costs you a lot to recover, you might not want to put it in Memcached. Redis is where a lot of the traction in the uh, community is right now. It's still very fast. It provides these mature features that will go through like uh, scalability and security. 
And it's also uh, providing a very, very uh, rich set of APIs to manipulate data and to store data in uh, uh, formats that are useful to you. Redis is also very popular in the industry. Uh, if we look at the uh, um, Stack Overflow uh, survey, I think it's the third year in, the row, in a row where it's the most loved database. Uh, you don't, you don't want to know what's the most hated one, but uh, <laughs> can talk about that after the session. And it's also the first uh, uh, ranks as the first database in a key data store um, in, uh, um, in this uh, dbengine.com survey. So a little bit about Amazon Elastic Cash. Uh, basically recognizing this uh, need in the industry, we build a hosted service that uh, supports Memcached and Redis. It's deployed in all of the uh, regions for AWS, and it's been around since 2011 as a service and since uh, 2013 supporting Redis. So there's a lot of maturity, there's a lot of lessons we've learned, and a lot of that uh, capabilities we're passing to you in terms of managing uh, Redis for you. Uh, so just uh, double-clicking a bit on what uh, I've just talked about. Uh, really, our theme as a, our theme as a team uh, is to provide you with a maximum performance for minimum headache. Uh, we try to take care of the, all the um, stuff that's uh, expensive and hard to do. Uh, like managing, making sure all the certifications are handled, and we try to keep providing you more performance for a lower price, and that's something that uh, uh, we'll hear a lot, about, a lot about in the next section. Okay. Uh, a little bit about uh, our customers. Uh, we talked a little bit about use cases. Um, these four examples are, are really kind of canonical to uh, what people are doing. Uh, with Expedia, they're doing basically query acceleration. They're using uh, Elastic Cache to make sure that they don't go to the database for each query. Uh, Grab and other uh, ride-hailing uh, companies uh, are using Elastic Cache to essentially manage the drivers and the uh, passengers around uh, geographic uh, uh, locations. And without the performance and the scalability, it's very hard for them to, uh, to do this sort of calculation in real time. Uh, with Fortnite, uh, it's again a distributed, it's a session situation where you have people playing together, and essentially those are uh, shards in your Redis database, if you will. And uh, with uh, GE, uh, we're seeing this pattern that comes around microservices, where you have these um, very large applications coming into uh, the cloud these days, that are totally uh, stateless. You people uh, spawn this huge amount of Kubernetes pods. They have thousands of containers running, uh, but they need something to coordinate them. And we're seeing more and more customers using Redis for that because of the performance and scalability aspects. Uh, so with that, I think I'll hand it over to my friend Itai uh, to walk you through some of the stuff we've done uh, in 2019 and show you a demo. Thank you, Nir. All right, so we actually did an innovation in across multiple pillars. Uh, across uh, performance with Enhanced I.O. and T3 uh, instance, uh, I'm going to elaborate more on this in a, in a few minutes, and I'm uh, also going to show you a demo. 
And with uh, scaling up and down, uh, horizontal scaling, uh, vertical scaling, we did a lot of improvements here, and uh, everything is uh, in an online fashion. Uh, we doubled down on security. Uh, we're going to talk about, Nears later going to talk about how much we invested in security with additional features, uh, more than what we already have today. Uh, we maintain uh, compatible with the open source because we know a lot of our customers, they love us because they also love the Redis and Memcached open source. And then we added more functionality for uh, the fully managed. So this is including your own uh, self-service patching so you can control when and how, and also with a, a migration tool. So um, uh, we talked about how much uh, Redis is so uh, popular. And uh, the most popular key value, and, uh, according to DB Engine, uh, it's uh, the most loved database, right? And, um, but self-managing it is hard, which is why we uh, built Elasticash from to begin with. And uh, <clears throat> so what I'm going to do now, I'm going to show you a demo of, of this. I'm going to talk about this feature, then I'm going to show you a demo, and then I'm going to talk about performance. So why is it hard uh, to manage uh, Redis? Because you have to take care of a, a lot of things. You have to do all the OS patching and software upgrades and uh, configuration management and the daily snapshots. And you have to, uh, and it's really hard to have high availability because you need a monitoring plane and you need to uh, make sure it's uh, available across multiple availability zones and you need to have failover workflows. And uh, it's hard to scale, both vertically and horizontally. If you do this manually, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, and it's very error-prone if you don't do this correctly. So uh, you would need to do all of this, and it ultimately boils down to a lot of investment. Investment in automation, investment in tools, investment in uh, engineering, uh, reliability engineering that will have on-call 24-7, uh, so that's a lot of investment. So we have this uh, elastic cache that does all of this for us, but our customers, uh, and maybe some of you are also uh, have uh, self-managed Redis and also uh, elastic cache, uh, have asked us, okay, so how do I migrate? So we, uh, we have uh, a few big customers that we have worked together with them uh, on the migration and they build like a custom solution. And uh, some other customers did this in an offline fashion. You know, they take, you take a snapshot and then you restore that uh, snapshot later on, uh, which is possible, but it requires some downtime. So we built this feature to migrate from self-managed Redis on Amazon EC2 to uh, fully managed Redis on Elasticash. And uh, the tool helps you with uh, migrating everything in real time uh, to Elasticash. And then once the migration completes, you can immediately update your client to point your traffic to Elasticash. And now I'm going to show you a demo on how I'm doing this. All right. Sorry. OK. So um, this is a pre-recorded demo. So things will go uh, more smoothly. So what I'm going to do in this demo, I'm going to show you how I'm creating uh, my own EC2 host, uh, just like you would do in the console. And then I'm going to install Redis from open source, from GitHub. I'm going to run uh, Redis. Uh, and then I'm going to run uh, performance benchmarks. 
and then I'm going to migrate it to ElastiCache and compare the performance. There's overall 14 steps. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't uh, demo all the features, but we did demo this because we found it interesting and a lot of customers have been asking about it. So the first step that I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the uh, console and create those instances. So I already created them ahead of time uh, to save time in the demo. I created an R512 extra large. This is a, a memory optimized instance. It's uh, very good for caching, very good for Redis. It has 384 gigabytes of RAM. These are the IP addresses, both the public and the uh, internal one in the VPC. We will use them later in the demo. And I created also a C5N host, which is used for the client. This is where I'm going to send uh, the traffic. This is going to be the client side where I'm going to uh, do the load generator and send traffic to uh, ElastiCache and before that to Redis. All right, so what I'm going to do next is I'm going to go to my uh, EC2 host and I'm going to install uh, Redis. Uh, this is an R512 extra large. So I'm copying, uh, I'm cloning here uh, the, the, the Redis from GitHub. And now I'm going to uh, check out Redis 5, which is the latest stable version uh, of uh, Redis, of open source Redis. And now I'm going to compile it. As you will soon see, within about two minutes, we were able to uh, download it from GitHub, compile it, and run it. So it's really easy to use, really simple, and it's part of why Redis is so popular and why uh, a lot of people would like to experiment and try Redis. But uh, we know it's also hard to manage. So uh, what some of our customers have been doing, they've been trying doing something like this, installing their own Redis, and then whenever they're ready to move to production use cases and do the fully managed experience, they will migrate the same way that I'm going to do this uh, right now. So uh, the compilation will finish in, uh, in, a, in a, about 10 seconds, and then I'm going to start uh, the Redis uh, server. Uh, <clears throat> once I start the Redis server, uh, you might be familiar with this if you're familiar with Redis. This is how it looks like when it starts. And then uh, we're going to exit this uh, host and use only the client side. So the next step is that I'm going to copy a bunch of scripts. I already copied them uh, ahead of time, so I'm going to skip that. I will tell you what those scripts are doing further on in the demonstration. So now I'm going to go to my client. Uh, this is a different host. This is the C5N that I showed you. And I'm going to uh, go there, uh, and I'm going to start sending traffic to uh, the self-managed Redis. This is just an alias I put here to help me with the demo. So I'm running this uh, Redis benchmark wrapper. I'm going to soon show you what it does. Um, uh, it's a, and then I'm, writing, I'm running here a metric collector from the client side, and I'll show you this as well. So uh, the Redis benchmark, if you are familiar with Redis, it's, a, it's an open source uh, tool as well that you can use. What I'm doing in this script, I'm actually just doing a simple wrapper for this. Uh, the first step in the script, I'm just killing all the existing Redis benchmark processes. Uh, this, I'm going to use it later on when I'm going to shift uh, traffic. And then what I'm doing here, I'm starting 20 processes with one single write client connection, and then another 20 processes with four read client connections. So overall, 80 read client connections, 20 write client connections. We're using 250 bytes as the value sizes. 
So this 80% read, 20% write, it's uh, with 250, 250 uh, bytes uh, value sizes. It's pretty common and typical uh, to what we see with Elastic Cash customers today. Uh, so that's why a lot of our benchmarks are using similar uh, values to this. So uh, next, I'm going to look at the metric collector. When you use Elastic Cash, you get a lot of server-side metrics. Uh, but in order to show this here in the demo, and I'm also using the self-manage, I'm using here uh, client-side metrics. This is a very simple script and just a very basic just to show uh, the performance and, uh, uh, that we're going to look at at the end of the demo. So you see I have here a loop. I'm getting as a parameter uh, the host name. It's first going to be the self-manage. Later on, it's going to be uh, the Elastic Cache one. And then I'm going through this loop. I have a separate tag for Elastic Cache and separate tag for the self-hosted one. So I can later on look at this. And then what I do every 10 seconds, I call two functions, very simple functions. One is to get the DB size. Uh, I'm using the CLI command to do this, and, uh, and, then I'm storing, and then I'm publishing this to CloudWatch. And then in the request per second, I'm doing something very similar. I'm getting the uh, total number of uh, commands processed. I'm subtracting the previous value, dividing in by those 10 seconds, and then I get the average request per second. This gives me, uh, and then publish this in CloudWatch. So this gives me uh, kind of good, uh, uh, ba very basic client-side throughput and DB size metrics that we're going to soon uh, use this and show them in CloudWatch. All right. So uh, the next step is uh, uh, that we're going to uh, store. Some, we're going to uh, store something that is unique to us in this demo. So as I said before, we have 40 Redis benchmark processes running. I just started them uh, two minutes ago. And uh, I'm going to take the process IDs, and I'm going to store them in Redis. This, you can think about this like a smoke test, right? That you want to see that what you put in there, it's actually replicated to the Elastic Cache, and you can read it uh, later on. So this is what I'm doing here. Uh, and as you can see, uh, Redis store this. Uh, that's not really surprising. All right, so uh, the next step, uh, um, now we will show the next step. Uh, we're going to look at the uh, configuration uh, of uh, the Redis, uh, the replication info of both Elastic Cache and the self-managed. Uh, uh, but before that, we'll create the Elastic Cache cluster. So going back to the console, uh, as you can see, I created already an Elastic Cache. I'm using the same R512 extra large host, the same exact instance type that we used. Uh, before in EC2. And I'm doing this so I'll later be able to compare apples to apples. Uh, and when I compare apples to apples, I will run uh, traffic to both of those and see uh, the results. And from the get-go, I created this with uh, one master and two replicas. And the reason I did, I, there is two reasons why I did it. The first is because this is what you would do. When you would create Elastic Cache Cluster, you would want from the get-go to have uh, another replica, at least one more replica for high availability. And the second reason is because uh, uh, I want to show you that this works also when you have replicas connected, so it's not just a master. So you have also when you have replicas connected to your uh, Elastic Cache uh, master, it will still work the migration. But later on, when we do the comparison analysis, we will um, 
uh, we will uh, only send traffic to the master, so it will be apples to apples comparison. Looking at the replication info uh, on ElastiCache, we can see that it has a role of master, and it has two replicas connected to it. So that's uh, exactly what we just saw in the console. And then looking at the replication info for the self-managed Redis on EC2, we see that he has a master with no replicas. This is how we just created this in the beginning of this demo. All right, so now um, I think we're kind of ready to start the, the migration. So what we're gonna do is gonna go to the console and we're gonna uh, click Migrate Data from Endpoint. Once I click Migrate Data from Endpoint, uh, I will put the uh, private IP of this uh, self-managed EC2 host and then I'm gonna click Start Migration. What this will do is uh, it will uh, start a workflow that will uh, initially start the migration. And uh, as you will soon see uh, when we look at the replication info now, uh, you can see that uh, the same commands I just ran um, uh, 30 seconds ago, you will see that uh, now uh, the, the roles have changed. So now Elasticash became a, a replica, a slave, and uh, the master is that uh, self-managed uh, Redis on EC2. So this is what we see here. And if we look at the self-managed one on the EC2, we can see that now it has one replica and that's the elastic cache. So replication is ongoing uh, as we expect it to be. Now we're gonna start uh, um, collecting metrics uh, for elastic cache as well, uh, the, the same, same metrics that we used before. Uh, I'm already running this, but I'll kill it and start again for, just for transparency. Uh, I didn't really have to do that. So now we have a metrics uh, collected and we have the replication flowing from the self-manage to ElastiCache. Let's go to the console and let's see how it looks like. So uh, going to the console uh, and we'll look at the CloudWatch metrics. In the CloudWatch metrics, uh, what we're gonna see is that when we use the Redis benchmark wrapper and we have, as I said before, 100 client connections with 40 processes, uh, we're able to push up to 200,000 requests per second to our self-managed Redis. That's what the R512 extra large, the vanilla ones, can do with, uh, um, when we um, push max traffic to it. And then uh, now soon we're going to refresh this graph and uh, what you will see is that once we started the migration, uh, there is some traffic to the ElastiCache as well. ElastiCache is the blue line, and the self-hosted uh, one is the orange line. I know it might be a little bit hard to see from here. Okay, so as you, uh, as you can see on the screen, uh, at some point we're doing 20% of the traffic to ElastiCache. And that's because, uh, not because that's where we max out ElastiCache, but that's because we're, that's what we're replicating. If 20% of the traffic is uh, right, then we're gonna expect 20% of the traffic to be to ElastiCache. And as you can see, we have about 186 requests per second and uh, 37 uh, requests per thousand requests per second to uh, ElastiCache. Looking at the database sizes, we can see that after the migration, uh, ElastiCache uh, really quickly catches up, and then now the database sizes are approximately the same. This means that uh, 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 the clusters are likely in sync, and uh, this is now just ongoing replication. Uh, this is the steady state replication that you have with Redis. 
All right, so uh, we're almost done uh, with this migration. We have to click on the last step. And the last step is uh, the stop live migration. So when we go to the console and we click stop live migration, we're actually starting the last step, the last flow, last step in, last workflow in this migration. So if uh, the clusters are in sync, uh, then it will succeed. And if not, it will fail. Uh, you can have a force mode checkbox that it will uh, stop anyway. But if you don't click it, then it will uh, only succeed if the clusters are in sync. All right, so now we started this uh, workflow. We're completing the migration. And uh, now I need to wait for this to finish to change the endpoint. So uh, what I'm doing here, I have um, a script to change Redis endpoint. And what I'm doing in this script, I'm just waiting for the last step of the migration to finish. This typically takes one or two minutes. Uh, so uh, let's see what this script is doing. Elasticash supports uh, SNS notification, simple uh, notification service. And you can get notification with email and uh, mobile text and Lambda. And you can have uh, an endpoint with an API. And what I did here is using uh, SQS. Uh, simple queue service, and I'm just doing, this is like a sim really simple script that I, I'm pulling this queue all the time, so I'll get the, uh, I'll get the message whenever that uh, migration finished. When you do your own uh, client application, you'll probably do something different because that's depend on what you have in the application. Once we receive this message of uh, replication migration uh, finished, we know that we're done. So what I'm doing in this uh, specific script, I'm uh, running again that same uh, Redis benchmark wrapper. So exactly what we saw before with the 20% uh, write, 80% read, using the same exact script. But this time, I'm sending this to the Elasticache Redis master. So uh, as soon as we get this uh, message, we're going to call uh, this script. Uh, I don't know how much it's visible uh, from the distance, uh, but this is uh, that script. All right, so in about uh, 20 seconds, uh, uh, this uh, migration will complete. Uh, what you will see is that a lot of uh, Redis benchmark processes are starting to run once this uh, finishes. And like I said before, you will probably not do this. You will uh, do something a little bit different. It depends on the client. But you will do something that will listen to those notifications and change this in the client side. So here we go. We didn't have to wait that long. We have those uh, processes running. So uh, we know that the migration finished uh, successfully. Uh, so now let's, let's uh, go back and, and just verify a few, a few things. So first, let's look if the roles have changed back. So now I'm looking at the self-managed Redis. And I see that uh, it has a master but has no replicas connected to it. So that's good. Uh, that's what we expect to be. And then I'm looking at the Elasticache master, and I see that it assumed back the role of a master. It's no longer a replica. It's no longer a slave. All right, so if you remember that smoke test we had in the beginning of the demo, uh, so let's, let's see if this data was migrated. And if we're going to run this command, we're going to see all the process IDs that I stored uh, there, uh, in the beginning. So that's, uh, that's great. Uh, this is working. So now, uh, now the interesting part. Uh, so I know that some of you are already using Elasticache and, uh, and might not be entirely interested in how we do the migration. Uh, so now let's, look about, let's talk about performance. 
So going back to uh, performance, uh, what you will see in the console is the, uh, the difference between the traffic that we were able to push to the self-managed Redis uh, on EC2 versus what we were able to do to ElastiCache. In the beginning, we are able to push up to 200,000 requests per second. That's where we max out the uh, R5 12 extra large Redis that we self-managed. Okay, and then uh, later on, we started the migration. And as you can see, about 20% of the traffic is going to ElastiCache, as, uh, as you might expect it to be. But what's interesting is uh, once we finish the once we complete the migration and we start sending benchmark traffic to ElastiCache, you see a huge uh, increase in traffic. So you don't only get all the, all the fully managed um, uh, capabilities and functionality and the security and everything we've talked about with ElastiCache, you also get significantly better performance using the same instance types uh, and with the same client uh, load generator. So that was pretty cool. And as you will soon see, it will stabilize at around 450,000 requests per second compared to 200,000 requests per second that we were able to do on the self-managed uh, Redis. So uh, uh, let's uh, look at how we did this. All right, so let's talk about performance. And uh, our performance journey actually started uh, a year ago in Q4 2018 when we launched the optimized M5 and R5 instances. And on the team, what we're constantly doing is we're trying to find the best, uh, to give you the best value for your money, which means getting the best price per performance and also the best performance. Uh, so let's look at this. So here you have the blue line. The blue line is the R4 instances. Those were pretty strong and popular up until uh, some time ago. And then AWS introduced the Nitro system. I don't know if you have watched Werner uh, keynote today, but he did talk uh, in more details on the Nitro system. And with the Nitro system, we're able to get from 120,000 requests per second to 200,000 requests per second. So that's a significant uh, performance improvement. And this is the 200,000 requests per second that we saw in the demo. But we did not stop there. We said, OK, now let's optimize them even further. So we did some kernel uh, changes in the kernel drivers for the networking and in the operating systems on the AMIs that we use and on these instances. And this got us to 30% uh, even more um, improvements of, in performance. So that's the red lines that you see here. So this is part of uh, our performance journey. And we saw up to 144% uh, better uh, performance than the R4 and 30% better performance than uh, the vanilla R5s and M5s. And then we also saw latency reduction of up to 25%. But we did not stop there, and our journey continued. For us, this is just the beginning, and we're going to continue work on performance improvements. So let's look at what we did this year. So some of you may already know this. Redis is a single-threaded architecture, and uh, it has a lot of advantages. It's simple, and uh, there are no race conditions, uh, no complex synchronization mechanisms. It's easy to extend it. It's easy to understand it. And then it's easy to support this rich functionality, which is part of what makes Redis so popular. 
And then if it has this uh, shared nothing architecture, which means you can scale by sharding and horizontally. And it also improves cache coherency because data is not uh, bounced between different CPUs. So how does it work? So if you have a single uh, threaded architecture, so you have uh, one client, and you look, if you look at the latency of uh, the commands within Redis itself, those are microseconds. This is really, really fast. Redis is super fast. But when you have more and more and more clients, uh, and this is typical Redis use case. In typical Redis use case, you have hundreds of client connections. And when this happens, uh, we can see that at some point the bottleneck in the throughput. And that's exactly what we saw in the self-managed Redis, that we were bottlenecked at around 200,000 requests per second. So we profiled this, and we saw that about 70% of the time is spent in the IO layer, in the communications. So we thought, what if we do this in parallel? So of course, if you have one client, it doesn't make a lot of difference. It's actually just an overhead of another thread. But if you have more and more clients, right, then it makes a difference. And we're able to push significantly more throughput by doing all the socket communication on separate threads. That's uh, something that we release with Enhanced I.O. And the results, as we saw before, we're able to push 450,000 requests per second with Enhanced I.O. Uh, on those instances. Uh, so we see here a nice um, increase in performance in our journey starting from the R4s to R5, vanilla R5s, optimized uh, R5s, and then, uh, this, and then enhanced I.O. And this is how we got uh, more than double the performance than you would get with vanilla Redis on vanilla R5s. Uh, very similar performance results with the M5s. So uh, this is how uh, our performance journey uh, started, and uh, we're not done yet, uh, but this is what we did this year, which is pretty, um, I think, pretty uh, impressive. One of the things that is interesting that in all of these, in, in both of these optimizations, we did not change core Redis. Uh, we did very little uh, changes to core Redis. We don't want people to have a problem with the way Redis behaves. We didn't want to change anything. So we found, we did, the nice trick that is that we did this without changing core Redis and doing this with a, at the enhanced IO library, which is mostly separated from Redis and uh, very little code changes. All right, so my last slide is about T3s. And uh, the, we talked about the R512 large. Those are really good uh, for heavy duty kind of uh, uh, instances that you would use for massive production use cases. If you want entry level, either it's uh, for uh, test or dev, or if, even if you have like, small use cases, uh, the T3s are really good. And what's good about them is that they uh, can handle burst CPU usage. And what we're able to see is that it can sustain up to 3x the traffic uh, for, uh, that you have uh, compared to the uh, baseline, compared to the steady state. And this helps you because it gives you better operational uh, stability uh, in case of unexpected uh, traffic spikes. Overall, we also saw better uh, baseline performance compared to the T2s. Uh, we, we did this both for Memcached and for Redis and different workloads. So it varies, but we overall saw better performance with the T2s. And then uh, two more cool things. So one. Uh, we priced it at the same price as T2s. 
So you automatically get better price performance just by scaling up to T3s. And also it's uh, free tier eligible, uh, which is uh, good for uh, trying out and experimenting with this. And then the last thing is that you have online scale up from T2 to T3. Uh, so it even doesn't require any downtime in case you're using T2s today. And with this, I'm going to hand this back to um, Nir, who will talk more about uh, our improvements in this area. Thank you, Itai. So what we've seen was really cool, huh? So just to summarize, if you have Redis running now on EC2, and we have a lot of customers that have a little bit on EC2 and some on Elasticash, you can now migrate uh, your workload without taking downtime. And you will know that your cost per transaction has gone down significantly by essentially those uh, 240%. Uh, so we're, again, with the same theme of trying to give you the best performance for uh, the least amount of headache in terms of management. Uh, so I'll go through some other uh, areas where we made improvements this year. Uh, let's start with security. So with security, we're looking at sort of three pillars. Uh, the first one is, uh, access is, is access. When we start building an Elastic Cache, when you build a, your first Elastic Cache cluster, it's isolated uh, inside a VPC. So you can, uh, no one can attack it from uh, the outside, from the public internet. The pattern we see uh, folks using in terms of uh, access is to uh, add a few front-end machines, either web servers or uh, some kind of uh, uh, external facing thing that is open to the internet and uh, communicates with your Redis cluster. The next uh, uh, step is uh, uh, encryption. So we support two modes of encryption, encryption at rest and encryption in flight. Uh, obviously, this is uh, the ability to encrypt traffic between any node that talks to your uh, uh, Redis server, and also the traffic between your master nodes and your replicas is, in is encrypted. This is a very simple setup. When you set up your cluster, uh, you will uh, uh, choose to have it support TLS, and will generate a, a certificate and set it up for you. The next step is encryption at rest. When we talk about encryption at rest, we talk about obviously your backups, your snapshots that you take. We allow you to schedule snapshots uh, for your data and obviously create new clusters from uh, older snapshots or recover data if you had an issue. Uh, you can do up to 22 uh, backups in a, in a day. And the next step uh, for encryption at rest is for swap files uh, that may happen if your server has, uh, uh, gets into swap if you're using a lot of memory. Uh, so anything that will be on the disk if you're using this encryption at rest is going to be encrypted. This year, we added the ability of you to use your own key that is managed uh, in your KMS, meaning that uh, the key for uh, uh, your assets belongs to you. And you can take one key and use it for more than just your Elastic Cache. Imagine an application that has several tiers and it deals with sensitive data. You can now use the same set of keys to uh, encrypt all of the data uh, in all stage of, stages of this application. Uh, so that's available to you right now. 
Uh, the next step is uh, authentication. So we talked about access control, we talked about encryption, and now we talk about authentication. Uh, part of the uh, value of Redis that Itai was talking about with the single-threaded architecture is simplicity. Uh, due to that, uh, Redis is pretty rudimentary in terms of, uh, of security. Uh, I'll talk a little bit later on about Redis 6 that will have more capabilities. But right now, uh, Redis supports one password uh, that can uh, restrict access to all of the commands in your Redis server. What our customers were saying, especially uh, compliance customers, are saying, hey, we need to be able to rotate our passwords. We need to be able to get to a situation where we have two passwords or tokens uh, live at the same time so we can do a deployment uh, without uh, killing our clients that are still uh, using the old password. So we want to be able to drain it. Since we can't predict all of your use cases, right, it might take you a few days to uh, drain all the old uh, clients that use the old password, what we essentially enable is the ability to have two passwords at the same time. You can create a new password, take your time with uh, moving it to the client, and then kill the old password by, by removing it. So you can't have more than two at the same time, uh, but you, ha you can have those two for as long as you need. So that's kind of part of our uh, commitment to flexibility to making sure that you can do uh, your own maintenance scenarios uh, the right way uh, that meets your business needs. Another feature that uh, exists in Redis is the ability to rename commands. Uh, we've seen a bunch of uh, customers coming in and say, hey, uh, due to some mistake, we ran some destructive command, like we deleted all the keys uh, in a production database, and how can we uh, avoid that? Uh, again, what Redis uh, open source supports is open source supports is the ability to change the name of the password. So you can take a, um, yeah, sorry, change the name of a command. So you can take a command like get or set or delete and rename it to something completely different. Uh, it's sort of a, a very cheap uh, way to uh, create a RBAC, to be able to uh, have different uh, people uh, be able to use different commands, uh, but that's what uh, is available right now. What we've done is enable uh, changing uh, command names uh, in real time without having to recycle Redis. So if you use open source Redis, you want to rename your command, you'll have to restart your uh, node. Uh, with Elasticache, you just go ahead and change the command name, and it happens in real time. In Redis 6, which is supposed to uh, come out early next year, uh, there's a new set of functionality around the uh, uh, usernames and around the authentication and the uh, uh, resource-based access control. And as soon as that drops and uh, goes to production, you will see us supporting that as well. Okay, so scalability. Uh, just to put us all on the same page, when we think about scalability, we think about two axes, if you will. Uh, one is scale up and scale down, so it's taking the resources in the server you use now and increasing them, CPU, memory, and so on, or networking in a cloud case, and scale out. In the case of scale out is essentially uh, adding more uh, unique compute units and taking your application out. Um, scale out is obviously better. It's better from, uh, in terms of uh, uh, cost and in terms of uh, reliability because even if you lose a node, you still have a lot of nodes uh, that allow you to do that. 
so how many people are familiar with, uh, uh, with cluster mode in Elasticsearch or in Redis? Cool. Uh, so Redis comes in two flavors, uh, cluster mode enabled, cluster mode disabled. Uh, essentially, with cluster mode disabled, you have uh, one master and uh, as many replicas as you need. Uh, in Elasticsearch, it's up to five. And your data is uh, replicating to the replicas, and they, they are read-only. In a cluster mode enabled mode, uh, what you do is you shard your data. So you can have many masters, and each of these masters would have a replica. It's important to understand that uh, repli picking a replica is up to the client. So Redis clients that are uh, cluster mode enabled, enabled uh, have to query the server uh, and understand which replica is in which endpoint. And that way, you're able to, to scale out, essentially. Elasticash supports scaling, up, uh, scaling out and scaling in uh, without taking downtime. So that's, again, uh, something we support. And we support, overall, a cluster size of 250 nodes, where you can mix and match the number of uh, masters and, and replicas. So what have we done in 2019? One of the uh, core uh, asks from you, our customers, was the ability to uh, migrate to new node types. So for example, you have a T2. Now there's a T3. It, it performs better. You want to be able to change node type again without taking downtime. We've introduced that a few months ago. And now you can essentially get all of these axes of scaling, scale up, scale down, scale out, scale in without taking any uh, disruption to traffic to your cluster. The other pattern that uh, uh, we see uh, in terms of scalability is in cluster more disabled uh, case, which is uh, still a large percentage of, of people who use Redis. And in that case, it's uh, uh, obvious that you don't want to put too much traffic on, on the master. The master is doing your, uh, your writes. So the pattern that uh, uh, people tend to use is to write into the master and read from the replicas. The problem with that is that uh, if one of the replica fails and a failover happens and now that replica becomes the master, uh, the <clears throat> one, the clients might not, not know about it. And again, you don't want to read that from that replica anymore. So to handle that, we introduce a reader endpoint. What reader endpoint does is basically uses Route 53 uh, to abstract your, uh, your read replicas. It runs robins on the read replicas if you have more than one. And if you have a failover, it will uh, essentially remove that read replica that became the master from, uh, from that load balancer. And you will have an undisrupted read experience. So uh, your reader endpoint is always stable. So we've talked a lot about how we uh, sort of do the heavy lifting. We take away all of, a lot of the complexities in, of running Redis. Um, but we still need to enable customers to uh, sort of control their own fate uh, in some cases. Uh, for that, we introduce self-service uh, updates. Uh, essentially, for some of our customers, again, that have compliance regimes, uh, they need to be able to um, perform updates when it's uh, convenient for them. Uh, we used to have this uh, uh, service window, uh, which was very uh, draconian, right? You have to make sure that 
Um, you don't have a lot of traffic doing that and so on. Uh, now you can consume an API or get a, a notification from us when an update in avail is available. And inside that data packet about the update, it also tells you when it expires. Uh, so you're able to schedule your updates when it makes sense to you. Um, a lot of folks are scripting that using lambdas to con uh, consume the feed and then uh, uh, script the updates in, in their own uh, uh, slow times. And then you, you are able to do that through the console as well. Uh, so again, that's a feature that uh, um, showed up uh, a few months ago and is very helpful for customers. So to summarize what we've talked about, again, a maximum performance, minimal headache. Uh, the things that uh, we focused on this year is really rounding up the product, making sure it meets scale, uh, performance, uh, security, and compliance needs, as well as meeting the open source compatibility and making sure that we're able to uh, release the latest and greatest in a very predictable and, and fast cadence. So obviously there's a lot of more information about Redis. Uh, this is the last day of the uh, convention, so I believe we're the last session about Elastic Cache, uh, but you can go online and consume uh, training. And uh, do keep in touch. These are emails you can uh, get in touch with us. And uh, uh, finally, if you want us not to get fired, please uh, uh, put, <laughs> do, our, do us a favor and provide feedback to the session. Thank you. Thank you.